Yo, what's up? My name is Clarence. And I'm DJ Nuna. And you're listening to Up in the Air. A podcast on our thoughts, moods, and experiences on the personal, political, and cultural world around us. Come float with us. For this week's episode, we're joined by Elaine Tian. I've known Elaine for quite a few years, but we've rarely had time for a real conversation. What fueled this episode is Elaine's brilliant food Instagram page at I'm Stressed Cooking, which she recently unveiled to the public. Her dishes are insanely beautiful and of course, mouth-watering, all of which she captures in the comfort of her own home with an iPhone. It was so fun to finally sit down with Elaine and talk about her college experiences abroad, the uphill battle of being an art major, the philosophy behind her food page, and more. We hope you enjoy. Yes. So I'll start with a little anecdote. So I obviously I love, you know, going through Instagram and I've been doing it too much nowadays. Um, And over the summer, I was really loving like, you know, the whole sourdough kind of like craze. (laughs) I was loving that. And I was like, oh, my God, like I love seeing something come from like start. Like, you know, it's the weird looking thing that in a jar and then it becoming this beautiful piece of bread (laughs) and it's just so satisfying because like I'm a terrible baker so like seeing other people do it I'm like that's fantastic that's just all I need to see right and I remember seeing Elaine you posted something you know along those lines of like you know showing your process and like showing this this product and I was like that's amazing I love that and I like messaged you I was like I love this and you know and then I've discovered your uh baking account recently mm-hmm. baking and cooking and I was just like I mean you've been posting a lot but I think you just recently kind of put your name on it and like right. just unveiled yeah. it you just you know <laughs> released it into the yeah, world yeah released it into the world you made yourself vulnerable but it's amazing and like the content is crazy it's so beautiful and oh. exactly why I wanted to have you on because you know like we haven't talked in a long time and I love to you just get to know you better so for people who don't know who you are, Elaine, could you mm-hmm. kind of tell us a little bit about, you know, where you grew up, what you studied in school, and kind of what you're up to now? Yeah, so I can go all the way back. I was born in Michigan. <laughs> um, I was born in the... I was yeah. born under the... Yeah. No, I was born in Michigan, but I moved to Seattle when I was three. So like I grew up here pretty much my whole life. It's all I've ever really known. Um And then I kind of went back to my roots. I went to college at Carleton in Minnesota. My like education was kind of circuitous there. Like I went in thinking I was going to be pre-med, hated chemistry. I couldn't even, (laughs) we had like three classes you could scrunch to pass fail. I was like, pass fail, like no way can I do chemistry. (laughs) So that kind of, that derailed. And then I went on to computer science, which like super props to you guys for doing anything tangential to that because it was not for me (laughs) like (laughs) the department in my opinion kind of sucked like it just wasn't I I don't have the brain for it and so I went abroad to France for my sophomore year and at that point I had already declared CS but I did an internship with this artist over the summer and like lived with her and just like made ceramics all day and I was like you know what this is what I like to do Um, and I had been taking art classes the whole time I was there And so when I came back, I was just like, I'm going to switch majors. I'm going to do art. So I ended up majoring in art and minoring in art history. Um, It was, it sounds really simple. This was like a very (laughs) tough time in my life. There was a lot of fighting with my parents. Like it was just not, but yeah, I ended up majoring in art and minoring in art history. And then post-grad, 
I moved to New York um, for an internship. I did an internship at the Guggenheim last fall. Um, Yeah, and then I was like working retail on the side, applying to art jobs. Pandemic hit. (laughs) Lost my job. And now I'm back home in Seattle, like kind of trying to figure things out. And that's kind of where I'm at now. But yeah. Wow, I I feel like that kind of, uh, like that, what you experienced in college, like trying different majors and then going Mm -hmm. into art is like something similar to me. Yeah. In that, like, I try like going, you know, the whole business route and like, I Mm -hmm. hated that shit. And I was Mm -hmm. like, it's not for me. And then just like, kind of just, you're like doing soul searching. Like you're literally just trying to find your passions. And that's amazing that you got to go to France and like. Yeah, I felt so lucky. Yeah. So was that was that a program that kind of like you so you were staying with an artist kind of and just working alongside them so what part of the reason I went to Carlton in the first place is because they really pushed this study abroad thing they're like you know what 30 like 70 percent of people study abroad 30 percent do it twice like a lot of people go abroad so yeah it's really cool and so (laughs) I went for my sophomore spring, I went to France just to like study in Paris. It was like part of our program, just normal French classes and stuff. And then you had the option to extend your stay through the summer and do an internship. And so that part was with an artist. So I did like half just normal classes in France and then half like working and living. Yeah, and it was with a host family. It was really cool. It was great. Just that sounds so beautiful. Just imagining you like making ceramics <laughs> in Paris. Wow. What was your favorite part of being in the city and that experience in itself? Um, I think, I mean, my host family was wonderful. Like they were really great people and I had a really good experience with them. But over the summer when I was doing my internship, I split my time living with some friends in an apartment and living with the artist in her country house. And so like, I can't really choose between those two because they're both like crazy. Like I can't even believe I got to do that. But like living with your friends in an apartment in Paris is just kind of unbeatable. I will say, I will say that like describing like, oh, I lived with an artist in France. It sounds like so beautiful and romantic. And it was, but also like I was just sweating my ass off every day, all day, every day, like next to this giant kiln, like in 105 degree weather. It was like disgusting, but wonderful. So (laughs) wouldn't treat it for the world. (laughs) Yeah, no, not at all. (laughs) And so you, you kind of, so you went to New York after you graduated Mm -hmm. and Actually, let me, let me dial it back. So you, you said that you had, you know, arguments with your parents and like, that's something that I think as Asian Americans, we kind of experience that all the time where, <laughs> you know, you choose anything remotely out of, outside of like the typical, I don't know, 10 jobs that would make you the most, you know, rich person, whatever. Right. Um, how did you deal with that? And like, what, what, you know, like, I guess, did it ever really kind of smooth itself over or is it still an ongoing sort of... Uh, debate yeah so it was kind of hard because I didn't like I there was always this internal battle of like I don't want to disappoint my parents like they really are like they've done everything their whole lives to like put me through school like to do everything so that I'm on the right path to like succeeding and I really wanted to be able to acknowledge that to them and like show my gratitude but at the same time I had this conversation with myself and like with my friends and my boyfriend and we were just all like it would be doing a disservice to them for me to like follow this path where I ultimately just crash because it's not what I want to do and like what is the point of spending all that money for an education that I don't care about where like 
it's just to get the grades to get move on to the next school to move on to the next job and like I just really knowing myself I knew eventually I would hit a wall and that like wasn't gonna be good for anyone involved Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so it took a lot of convincing I mean sometimes I think they're still not convinced but getting that Guggenheim internship like seeing the projects I was doing at school like all of these little milestones it was enough for them to like kind of see that if I'm doing something I really care about like I'm actually going to be motivated to do it and not complain all the time and not like drag my feet about it so I think they're 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 coming around to it they came around a little bit at school they're coming around more the pandemic obviously was a bump in the road but like we're getting there I think small bump in the road yeah small bump tiny bump Yeah. Yeah. I definitely resonate with that because I, similar to both you and Clarence, I pivoted during my sophomore year in college and Mm -hmm. Clarence and I are both actually fifth years because we are in the design program. And so even just taking that fifth year, I was really on the fence. I was like, Mm -hmm. "Uh, should I really put my parents through that? Or should, is it really worth an extra year of school? But I kept telling myself it's way better than, yeah, going through my education regretting it and then having to start over and do another four years because I've I've heard of that before of people like doing it in their master's or doing their bachelor's again yeah um, in the major that they actually are passionate about so yeah I think design and art it's really hard to communicate that to parents sometimes as Mm -hmm. like a feasible and stable career and I mean to this day I'm still not convinced how stable it like I still have I still have so much uncertainty about the future honestly especially with with the pandemic so uh yeah it's definitely it's an ongoing conversation for sure for sure yeah I totally feel that and seeing how the art world was impacted by the pandemic like my bosses were all furloughed like the people that I thought were so beyond secure were also losing their jobs and so Mm -hmm. watching everything crumble was kind of eye-opening to be like yes it's great to chase your passions but like the stability thing is real like there is a reason why our parents are telling us to go be doctors and lawyers (laughs) (laughs) I don't know there is like I definitely still have that debate but I don't I don't really regret anything I did and so there's that too (laughs) yeah my, my brother showed me this uh meme recently where it was like you're on the plane and someone someone's like sick you know and they they need medical attention and then <laughs> your dad goes like oh why don't you go help them with your graphic design degree like oh my god <laughs> he's like what are you gonna do create a pdf for them like <laughs> them back to life yeah i was like oh god no, don't man. please don't <laughs> i thought you were gonna talk about that meme where it's that guy that's laying on the floor and the dad's like how's it going son and then the screen says like LinkedIn or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're searching for all these jobs and stuff. Oh my god. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh no. <laughs> but New York must have been amazing for the the short time that you were there. I mean, yeah. so you had graduated in twenty eighteen. Twenty nineteen. Right. Yeah. Twenty nineteen. <laughs> so you're there for just like about a, almost a year then. Yeah. Well, so my boyfriend is actually getting his master's in Hong Kong and so I spent the summer after graduation there and then in the fall I moved to New York so I was there from September until uh, I want to say June yeah I think so something like that yeah almost here wow, <laughs> it was great amazing that you lived in both Hong Kong and New York what were some highlights from those experiences um oh that's 
I don't know. So in Hong Kong, I actually did this two week art program kind of where I was learning from artists and like fellow people that were interested in curation, which is what my internship was about and what I kind of was thinking about doing. Um, and that was a really amazing experience, just like talking to like minded people, because mm -hmm. as fantastic as my experience at Carleton was and like the artists, the art majors and art history majors I met there were, it's kind of different meeting people that want to go into the same professional field like maybe academically you have similar similarities, but there are always differences in what you want to end up doing. Mm -hmm. And so like talking to people about curation, about like why they were passionate about art, like the kind kinds of art they were into, it was always really cool. And there were people who had already had their masters, like had been working in the field for a while. So that was just a really good opportunity for me to see what was out there. Um, and I'd never been to Hong Kong and like, I don't think, there's just nowhere in the world that's remotely like it. Like when I, I yeah, it's it's yeah. so amazing. It's it like, is I mean, incredible. people say it's like a it's like a New York in a way, but oh, it is very. I would say it is very different, <laughs> like super different. It's so different, like incredible. I want to go back, but yeah, it was really cool. And I want to move back to New York too. Like my plans right now are to go in the spring if possible, if I can try and find anything. Um, Moving there without a job is kind of ridiculous. So <laughs> the, the living cost is, yeah, I've yeah. been, I think New York is a lot of my friends and I's dream to one day move there. And so mm -hmm. we were just looking at, we would exchange like little apartment searching videos. Yeah. I'm like, damn, this is ridiculous <laughs> for like the smallest studio. It's like, it yeah. Over 2000. yeah yeah definitely that's why I came back because like once I got laid off I could like I could stay for a little longer and then it just yeah. became so unsustainable and like you're right you pay so much money for so little space like I don't know <laughs> sometimes I question myself but no, but honestly I think I, maybe I romanticize New York from an outsider but do you think living there was like really fulfilling and you felt really at place there and at home? I would say so. I think, yeah, I think New York does get romanticized, but I was living in areas in Brooklyn where you could just like, if you need something, you pop down to like the bodega. There's like stores, yeah. all sorts of little stores that have whatever you need, like right around you. You don't have to drive anywhere. Like your friends are there. Everything's walking distance. And that kind of life is just what I like, like what I'm looking for. I don't really want to have to like drive everywhere which is what I've grown up doing in Seattle it's exhausting for me I hate driving oh my god me too. Every time you don't like to sit through traffic like what oh my god <laughs> every time I drive up to Clarence he's like why does it take you so long it's because I drive I'm such a timid driver and me too cautious. yeah I get so anxious when I drive like my palms are just like damp 24 7 when I'm driving no, I can't like slipping on the wheel <laughs> literally just like sliding <laughs> off no yeah, yeah that, honestly, that honestly sounds like the dream I think I've heard people say yes it's romanticized but it's accurately romanticized and it, mm -hmm. it's all worth the hype so yeah I'm excited for hopefully the spring you'll be able to go back <laughs> thanks me too <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, I think we can talk more about your baking and how that intersects with um, your art background and mm -hmm. yeah, maybe how you started with baking. I know Clarence kind of mentioned that it's grown, especially during quarantine, but mm -hmm. yeah, maybe talk about your story with that. Yeah, I so I've been baking, 
I, I don't want to say I've been baking for a really long time, but like even in middle school, high school, back here in Seattle, I've like done baking as a way to relieve stress, just like side projects, also just like make food to eat. Um, and cooking less so, like far less so. My mom is an amazing cook. My grandma is an amazing cook and she comes and visits a lot. And so there's just always been good food and I haven't had to do that. Um, but then senior year of college, that kind of changed because I was living in a house, whereas before I'd been living in the dorms and eating in the dining halls. Um, and so I had to cook all of my meals basically. And basically took cooking as like the biggest distraction possible from anything related to school like I would use it as a way of procrastinating every chance I could get <laughs> and so I started making like huge project meals where like you just do things for hours and hours and I'd be like oh gotta go check on the food like sorry can't work on this <laughs> um, and that's when I really started cooking a lot and then I also had a housemate, Lucy, who just like is a phenomenal baker and she would always take over that job and so there were always great baked goods in the house. Didn't really do that much in college. Then when I lived in New York, I also had to feed myself again. <laughs> and so I would cook, but then I could also bake more at that point. And so it just kind of grew into this thing. Um, and I was cooking and baking so much after I was laid off that I was like it's it would be a disservice to my family and my friends if I didn't like post this and show them <laughs> there's just so much food right now and if I just eat this for myself I feel like I'm hoarding it so really the account kind of started I don't know if you if you scroll back and look at like my captions and like the follow like the number of likes it was clearly just like almost a finsta where I would just like mm -hmm. all these photos and be like hey look what I'm doing like mm -hmm. I don't know I, I think maybe Clarence you mentioned earlier that like it's hard to keep in touch with people right now. And I felt really overwhelmed by that, by that at the beginning. So I was like, this was, would be a great way for me to show people what I'm up to without really having to like talk to a bunch of people all the time. Yeah, I, I feel like I do that too. Like every once in yeah. a while I post something on my story just to let people know that like I'm still around. Yeah, like, okay. hey, I'm alive, don't worry. They're like, hey, I'm here, I'm doing exactly. well. Like, yeah. We're, we're hanging in there. But yeah. that's amazing. I feel like you could, I did like scroll through your, your <laughs> baking account <laughs> and like you could see progressively like how the the photos were becoming like you like you seem to figure out sort of a way to, to photograph your food and mm -hmm. um yeah your captions are changing and I think it's it's really interesting to just see that progression like throughout your yeah. the feed and I mean like what what at this point do you think that kind of what you imagined or what you began the reasons why you posted has shifted at this point yeah I this is like a, a conversation I have with myself a lot where I don't want the account to be something that's such a driving force in my life that it changes like what I'm making and what I'm cooking because I think Instagram can have that influence a lot of the time where like something trends and you're like oh I gotta hop on that like yeah. I don't know milk buns are trending I gotta make milk buns like whatever it is <laughs> because at the end of the day, like I cook because I want to eat something, you know, <laughs> so I don't want to change what I'm making just because it's pretty or ugly. And this is actually hard now that I'm home because I want to make as much Chinese food as possible now that I have the resources to like learn that again with my mom and my grandma around. And a lot of the time it's hard to plate that and photograph it like it just doesn't look the same as a lot of the other things I was making and trying to figure that out has been kind of interesting 
Whereas like a baked good, like you just put it on a plate and it looks great. Like yeah, you know, it just has I, a little nice sheen on it. Like exactly, yeah. But like stir fry, it's harder. It's like kind of like a brown blob. Like what are you gonna do with that? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. trying to figure out how I can incorporate the things I actually eat and on a day to day basis and want to make into the aesthetic of what I'm doing on Instagram has been kind of interesting. And I haven't really started doing that, but it's something I'm thinking about. Yeah, I, I just bought a, oh, I didn't buy it. I got it as a gift. <laughs> but I, I got a Namwa uh, cooking book. Oh, cool. That restaurant in New York. Yeah. Um, And I honestly, I, I wanted it because the photos are done by this photographer that I really like. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's like they, they do an interesting job of making dim sum look really beautiful, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I think a lot of times when I think of dim sum, think of Chinese food. Yeah, it's like, you know, maybe not the most beautiful presentation. It's right. you know, like the restaurants, like you're in the corner, it's kind of dark, but like <laughs> it's hustling and bustling. So yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting. Like how, how has your parents, you know, like kind of reacted to your account and, or have they seen the account? Yeah, they have. My okay. mom made an Instagram specifically to follow me. It was very cute. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Yeah. It's very sweet. They've been super nice about it and super supportive. Um, and like if my mom is home while I'm trying to take a photo, she'll be like, let me help. Like, I want to help you stage it. I I love help that. You play. Yeah. yeah, it's really sweet. Um, but I think it, they would like to see more Chinese food on it because like that's, I would say, my account now is not a completely accurate reflection of what I eat every day because like I really just haven't figured out a way to showcase Chinese food in a way that I think does it justice um but yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, that makes sense I think I resonate with that too because I'm at home and my I'm Korean so Mm -hmm. I'm Korean American so I think um, right now, Clarence and I are both working on the publication project, and we have a different prompt, but mine is like a recipe book. So it's been really interesting being able to see, like from the ground up, these different recipes that I've just eaten throughout my childhood, and then realizing in college, damn, I don't actually know how to make a lot of these. <laughs> or like, well, and so when I start a family in like way in the future, like what will they eat? Will they eat like again? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. So it's been really refreshing to yeah be back at home. I think that's been one of the best opportunities during quarantine. Um, I'm eating really well, uh, just eating my mom's food. Just thriving at <laughs> home. Quarantine, truly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, how do you think your roots or like your um, culture has impacted your cooking? You kind of mentioned it, how what you are um, baking is like a sliver of what you eat, not a sliver, but like a portion mm-hmm. of what you eat day to day. Like, how do you think that impacts, um, yeah, your cooking, baking? Um, I think there are a lot of like flavors that I try to incorporate. So like in Chinese desserts, there's a really strong emphasis on making things not too sweet. That could just be my family, but like everything is like, my mom will be like, oh, this is really good because it's not that sweet. And it, like in American sweets, that's not really what people say. Yeah, it's like the opposite. Really. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I do try to like, like I think the way that desserts and stuff are framed in my mind is just a little bit different. Um, and when it comes to like cooking in general, I think the philosophy of my mom and my grandma of like just seeing what's in the fridge and using that is something that I've kind of tried to keep where it's like you don't just run out to the store because you need an ingredient for a recipe you just try to like work something together out of what you have um which I think plays into like what I was taught at school for my 
art degree is just like trying to be resourceful with what you have. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really strong influence from my upbringing. Yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And I, yeah, the whole too, not too sweet thing is really real for my, <laughs> well, because if you think about it, like some of the like tasty desserts that they post, it's like really sure. It's like brownie, yeah. mochi or some like wacky combination. But even when I get cakes from like a Korean or, or a different Asian bakery, mm-hmm. the frosting is not sweet. And that's what mm-hmm. tastes really good. I think I recently had the sweet potato cake that was so good. And the mm-hmm. frosting is super light where for American bakeries, the frosting is like really sweet. No hate yeah. to people not like it. Yeah. I, I like growing up, but uh-huh. um, that makes a lot of sense. Like milk buns are really, the flavor is really it's present, but it's not super sweet. So mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you? So have a when... Oh shoot! You go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um. This is a the the couple of Zoom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But Elaine, so when you're cooking, is a lot of the recipes that you're kind of using, or do you even use recipes really, or is it more like kind of sourcing it from your friends, family, or, you know, how do you go about kind of figuring out, you know, uh, what to make or how to make it? Yeah, it's a combination of everything. So if I have it, I think most things that I make, I have an idea of in my head before I go in. And then if it's like inspired by something, I'll look up, I'll like Google recipes or look through cookbooks for kind of like a basic version of that thing. And then I very rarely stick to recipes. I'm very bad at that. I think I get that from my mom who she like cannot bake to save her life. I love her, but she can't because she won't follow a recipe. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I riff a lot on like existing recipes from like other bloggers or cookbooks or chefs or like New York Times, anything like that. Um, and then there's also just the influence of my mom and grandma. Like they'll tell me basically like, eyeball this much, eyeball that much. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I feel like yeah. when, whenever I try to cook with my mom, I'm like, all right, can you tell me like exactly how much you need to put? So I know, you know, like I don't mess it up in the future. And they're like, you're like, just look at it, feel it. You know, like, do you, do you feel how heavy that is? Like that's yeah, it. Or like, exactly. when you're, like when you're pouring the sauce, you're like, there we go you know and I'm yeah, like yeah. what <laughs> yeah and she'll all like pour my, a little bit and she'll be like no, no 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 just like one more second just like a little bit more yeah I'm like how like do how do you know, know? <laughs> right <laughs> yeah my grandma was showing me how to make dumpling dough like a year or two ago and she was like the texture should be like hard but not too hard like soft but not too soft and I was like so what does that mean like you're giving <laughs> me both right now like that doesn't make sense yeah yeah exactly I mean like I remember it's like stirring something they're like do you feel like the weight of the stir I'm like no I don't know what you mean <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of get it because at this point I've made so much sourdough like I make at least two or three loaves a week and I started in the spring and so it's just like been a lot and by no means am I an expert like I still consider myself a beginner but the amount that I've learned just from touch just from like feeling the same dough like every few days for months I can like it's hard to explain like I kind of get where my grandma's coming from at this point where it's like I really could not tell you what it should feel like I don't know (laughs) but it just like there's a feeling there yeah I mean I I guess you make a good point because like as designers for Jubilee and I like we spend a lot of time doing digital art and like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whatever and so very rarely do we you know get to have a physical poster you know like a book or whatever 
mm-hmm. but like yeah like feeling the material is so different and like seeing it and it's physicality it's right yeah, absolutely it's absolutely yeah yeah we just for the publication class we've been having to do prototypes so we're on our second one and I mean it's been an experience having to create our own books with by our hands but Mm -hmm. yeah just like feeling the actual paper and Mm -hmm. really compiling it with our own hands like I'm doing a spiral notebook and I was telling Clarence this but I had to hand punch each of the holes because (laughs) none of the none of the printers um locally do wire bind wire binding unless it's like 700 or plus (laughs) I was like dang okay I'm not (laughs) so yeah, it's, I think there's a lot that goes into like the feeling and knowing it's right just by that. So. Yeah, definitely. I took a printmaking class at school and we did like a unit on bookmaking and bookbinding. And I decided to do an accordion style book. And oh my God, like oh, you wow. have to measure it so precisely and like make each crease so precisely. Otherwise the whole thing will just like fall up. Like it just like doesn't even stand up right because it's so precise. I can't even yeah. imagine that. Like I'm literally <laughs> just doing a like a single page glue bind for my client. Still, yeah. And I'm just like with the glue, like it's not holding. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Yeah. Oh my and God. And there's so much patience. Like you just have to wait. You just have to let I it know. set. And there's nothing yeah. you can do. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I think like just it is like a detriment to spending so much time online because like when I'm doing the fine measurements and doing mm-hmm. all those like things it's like I can't even you know fathom how to like <laughs> organize everything right but yeah yeah um, we're all in our own homes like Clarence's yeah. setup is I think it's in your room or a different room like you have the clamp and everything just yeah, yeah. it's a nightmare yeah. but I had a question about so you you you're creating and like posting all these great you know uh Fighters of food and all these great shots and I was wondering like do you really I think a lot of people might wonder this but do you really eat everything because <laughs> I mean like you're I, I feel like you know you do you don't post like every day but you know when you do post it does look like a lot mm-hmm. it <laughs> is a, a lot grand, yeah. <laughs> a grand you know meal so no I think that it's a very fair question I <laughs> I don't eat all of it. I'm lucky that my boyfriend is here right now and he eats like a monster. Like he eats five (laughs) servings. No offense to him, but yeah, he eats a ton of it. And then I'm also, I only live like a mile away from my aunt and two cousins. And so anything that we don't eat like dessert wise, baked good wise, we send to them. And so no food goes to waste unless something is like rotting, which that really doesn't happen. I don't throw anything away. Like everything does get eaten. but you're right. It is a lot of food. <laughs> that's a that's great. I feel like that's, it's good to have like one of the problems of baking a lot or like my, you know, like if you're experimenting too, is that like mm-hmm. it might go to waste because mm-hmm. you're not going to eat it all, but yeah, it's good that you have people around you to do that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm this year. I want to send out cookie boxes um, for the holidays because it's just hard to, you can't go gift shopping really. I hate online shopping. It's a headache. And so I wanted to do like these gift boxes, but that meant I had to recipe test so many cookies. Like right now I have shortbread that's cooling and there's just so much of it. And I don't even know if that's the final product. So I'm <laughs> glad that there are people that are like, oh yeah, butter and sugar. I'll eat that. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. Just, yeah. There's just order a cookie box. Like I <laughs> that kind of, um, just because yeah, Instagram is a huge platform for all creators to kind of um put out their work whether it's mm-hmm. their prints or yeah cookie box sample boxes or mm-hmm. mediums so 
I will definitely order one. Like, <laughs> yeah, terrific. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was actually gonna go into my next question about yeah, if you're planning on like selling any of your food or like how is or yeah, I know that you just mentioned like it's holidays coming up. You were thinking about doing that, but yeah, how is Instagram and that platform serving you in that way? I know that like monetizing work can be both scary but also really there's a lot of growth in that too Mm -hmm. but I would love to hear more about your plans for the holidays and the cookie boxes yeah I haven't really given a ton of thought about like monetizing my work or selling it I think because I went public so recently it took it's still taking me a long time to really accept that like anyone would want to buy any like I don't know for me it's still just like my home cooking that I'm sharing the idea that it's like commercial in any way is kind of foreign like I haven't really considered that um but maybe one day down the road my my aunt is always like you should open a bakery and that that would be really cool but that is like a whole different set of skills that I don't really have like I definitely would want to work in a bakery before I ever did that um but yeah like selling cookie boxes I think is something I could do I could handle that but anything more than that I I haven't really considered (laughs) yeah I mean it's scary like thinking about like it kind of in a way sucks the joy of the original like the original intent out of it mm-hmm. like I mean you could you could love your work and like enjoy doing it but you know once the money the money kind of factors thrown in it's always a little bit difficult to right yeah balancing like what is popular with other people versus what you like to do I think is really hard and after my freshman year of college in the summer, I worked at a, a cheesecake bakery in Pike Place, actually. And I just remember like the speed that they required out of you. Like you, like I was in charge of making crusts for a really long time. And like, I had to stamp those things down. Like I was literally standing over the thing going. It was like, they need you to be a machine in order to get everything out right. And I just don't think that that's what I want to be doing right now. Like, I think that sounds so intense. It was intense. Yeah. And in the summer, too, there was no AC in there. It was just, it was hot. Oh, my (laughs) God. I feel like you're always stuck in these places. That's my fear. I feel like if I ever work in a restaurant, like, I, I would say I sweat pretty easily. And I'm just afraid of, like, me hovering over, like, the food and just, like, dripping sweat. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully that's not a concern I need to worry about yeah. <laughs> no yeah I think it's interesting how Instagram has really shifted during quarantine and how it's become more of a monetized space like they got rid of the notification button on the nav bar so it's a shopping mall or I haven't even really checked it out because I don't shop on Instagram yeah anymore. I've never clicked it I don't even know <laughs> but it's kind of overwhelming to see all of those prices and like yeah monetizing work because I think Clarence and I both resonate with that where once design became something that our career was dependent on it became a little bit less enjoyable because Mm -hmm. there's just a lot more stakes attached to it and it's less free and less honestly art-based I feel like what Mm -hmm. we're learning right now can oftentimes be really design oriented and corporate a bit corporate so I think adding money into the mix is always kind of scary and can sometimes take joy away from it 
Yeah. I totally feel that. Yeah. When I was doing my internship in the fall and kind of just like trying to get into the New York art world, I think I got a little bit jaded where it just felt like everything was controlled by money. Like I went into art because I was so passionate about it and like mm-hmm. wanted to do what I thought art was. And it turned out that that isn't really how the world views art. And that was kind of hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. I think there are definitely still areas where you can find people who think similarly to you and aren't like completely driven by profit, but it's hard because those places don't survive as much. And so, yeah, it's hard to balance. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And especially in New York, I don't know, how how are the people in the New York art community? Are they really friendly and open or has it been kind of hard to integrate yourself in those spaces? I think like anywhere you're gonna find a mix. I was luckily lucky enough that the fellow interns that I met were all really great people like everyone was just like really eager to get into the art world no one was like already in and like exclude like there wasn't any of that Mm -hmm. um and I met some artists that were just really fantastic people Mm -hmm. um but it was more so watching the bureaucracy of it all like individually everyone you meet can be great but then just watching how they all fit into this like giant puzzle and it like everyone just has their role and they're going to stick to it and there's not really much anyone can do about that Mm -hmm. that was I think the part that really frustrated me they're Mm -hmm. just stepping away right right yeah cogs in the machine like (laughs) (laughs) that's for real though I think design yeah money controls everything in the design (laughs) industry too like we were just talking Mm -hmm. about how design and capitalism just or so many industries go hand in hand with capitalism like they need it to survive and yeah it keeps the industry going so it can be really overwhelming and yeah from like a big picture it can be really overwhelming to navigate but then the individual people you meet are definitely Mm -hmm. gems but yeah, yeah we're just all trying to (laughs) <laughs> like figure out our place in exactly the <laughs> <laughs> but elaine so moving i guess like thinking ahead now let's say that if it weren't for a pan- or if the pandemic was to end at any mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. you know what do you what do you see yourself doing both with the the, the food page but also you know like you know you, you said you wanted to move back to new york like i guess what do you have planned like what do you want to do that's a big question (laughs) what is your life ambition yeah (laughs) what is the meaning of life no I I mean I definitely still care about the arts I still like I'm applying to jobs there same kind of things I was looking at before I'm still interested in um but now I think what this whole experience has opened my eyes to is the possibility of working in, in food in the food industry like just from scrolling on Instagram and like stalking all these people that work in food, (laughs) I've seen that there are jobs in like food styling and recipe development and things like that, that aren't so far off from like the aspects of art that I really cared about, but just are in a different field. Um, So I think if anything, it's just broadened my job search. I don't really have like a single career I'm dead set on right now. Like I'm open to literally working in a restaurant or a bakery or working in an office for like a company I care about, but yeah it just like has broadened what I'm looking at in general mm-hmm. yeah that's I like that a lot and I think you know like Julie and I are both kind of doing that job search as well mm-hmm. you know um, as we're kind of approaching the end of our senior year so mm-hmm. I mean I I feel like a, a big part of searching for a job is searching for like titles that you don't you didn't even know like existed in a way so 
yeah, yeah like food styling or you know create like being a part of the team that creates the recipe like I would have you know not really thought of that as a job necessarily so right. that's amazing I feel like that's, <laughs> that's that's cool like I I like that you're doing that and it's hard to stay hopeful it's hard to it's true <laughs> <laughs> but you know best of luck with that nice. and I feel like you got it just oh thank you your page you have it but yeah we are around our time um so thank okay. you so much but yeah. we do always end up wrapping up about or with the song of the week um so yeah, yeah this is just something that's been on repeat um something that's been carrying you during these uncertain times um but i i think clarence or i could start and then you could sure wrap up. yeah 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 um Clarence do you have one or I can start too <laughs> I, I can go okay. um so a friend of mine recently created a, a playlist and then she shared it with me and mm -hmm. it was fantastic I think it was more like a funky sort of feel to it but um the song that I really loved from it is The Two of Us by Omar Apollo and okay. it's off of his new his newest album but yeah it's a vibe I just feel like it's it's often hard to figure out how I even feel and I think music does a good job of like maybe not even lyrically but sonically like kind of it expresses my mood in the right way mm -hmm. in that in ways that words can't describe so that's yeah. facts, hey. that's facts. Yeah. <laughs> um i would say my song of the week is all your love by jacob ogawa um this has been i heard this song for the first time around two or three years ago and it's actually on our friend's show called Woke Brunch, they started the radio show and she had an episode about love and this was the first song that played. And I think it's really fitting. It's something that's really calming. And like Clarence said, it speaks a lot of how I'm feeling without me having to say how I'm feeling. And my friends and I, we made this playlist called Just Yearning and we, it's a collaborative playlist. So it's been really fun seeing all of everyone's different contributions but then it's really cohesive because I think we're all feeling the same things right now <laughs> so that's what I've been listening to yeah. I've been really enjoying it yeah how about you Elaine all right I maybe this is cheating but I don't have a specific song I just have the Charlie Brown Christmas album on all the time <laughs> that's a vibe I love it that. is a vibe it is a vibe but this is just kind of like classic me where last year for my wrapped Spotify wrapped it was just all like movie soundtracks like that was it that's all I had on and so <laughs> it's because when I need to focus like there can be no lyrics involved like I just have to focus so. yeah I feel that I, I think like in our kind of uh field of study luckily we don't have to do as much like you're reading a lot and like trying to memorize information mm -hmm. like if it were that I would be in the same lane of like I need to listen to something without lyrics yeah but yeah, that's amazing. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I think I recently found this mix on Spot or on SoundCloud. That's like a lo-fi Christmas mix. And Ooh. the first like 10 seconds of it is Charlie Brown saying, why do I feel so sad even though it's Christmas time? Is there something wrong with me? And I feel like everyone's so like, sad. I think everyone's <laughs> like that. I'm like, I'm about to cry. <laughs> Um, but I think Charlie Brown's really relatable this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've true. been I've been watching this like YouTube. Um, it's like a lo-fi mix on YouTube, and it's just like <laughs> they just like recycle clips of Charlie Brown, kind of I don't know, just doing whatever. But it's so calming. It's 
the perfect it's so music. calming. Yeah, it's what we need. <laughs> Wait, do you do you listen to that just like while you're you're baking? Yeah, or, yeah, okay. I listen to that like and then oldies, a lot of oldies. <laughs> Love that. Yep. No, but yeah, thank yeah. you thank you so much for joining us and yeah. talking about you know what you're doing what you're up to it's always nice to also have like you meet new faces so yeah definitely like, first time so that was amazing we're just happy to have you and yeah thank you so much <laughs> for having me thank you for giving me my daily dose of social interaction this is great <laughs> you're, done, you're done for the i'm done, done. The, actually yeah. yeah my yearly dose really <laughs> No, yeah. yeah, but we're wishing you the best as yes. the months come, and we're wishing the best for everyone that's listening <laughs> as we wrap up. I can't believe 2020 is almost over, but I know. yeah, wishing the best for everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in, and yeah, we'll see you all next week. Peace. <laughs>